Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Maggie. My name is Brian. And today we have a very special guest. We have Clayton Tony Ao. Clayton is an award-winning film director and screenwriter. He began his career in commercials, creating content for many big brands, including New York Life, BMW, and Warner Music Group. After spending years as a visual storyteller for his clients, he began writing and directing his own narrative films. His dark and uncompromising approach to cinematic storytelling captures life in ways that audiences might be afraid to see, but will be left too fascinated to look away. His short film, Suburban Jungle, which won five awards and received eight nominations during its film festival run, is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Clayton, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to have you here, man. So let's dive deep into your story. Like, how'd you get started in this industry? Like, that's to me, when I first, when I told my parents I want to get to entertainment or something, they're always against it. But I want to hear from your story. Like, how'd you convince them? Yeah, so I pretty much just followed what my parents wanted me to do for most of my life. And the thing that I would say about doing that is that there's, there's a risk. It gets harder and harder to make that transition when you get older. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, like, I'm, I'm Chinese-American. Uh, my family's pretty traditional. I come from a very pragmatic family that's very risk averse. And, you know, they wanted me to stay in the real estate development business, which is what I was doing for a while uh, out of college. And um, yeah, they, they would have never, you know, wanted me to, to pursue a, a creative career, you know, not because they didn't want me to be happy, but, you know, th- as parents, they want me to be successful. They don't want me to struggle financially. And careers like this, they are a risk. But there was a, a turning point where I, I had to have a conversation with my parents about how important it was. And I think that there was this moment where I realized I just had to do it. And it was when I was reading this article online uh, about when is the most common time that people die of a heart attack. And it's in the mornings. And so then this thought crossed my mind that you know, maybe the reason why people are dying of a heart attack in the morning is because they're getting ready to go to work and that they dread doing what they've been doing every day for so many years. And that anxiety is causing the heart attack. And so I just thought, you know, if I, I don't, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing now when I was, before I became a filmmaker. And if I don't pursue what I love, if I don't do what it is that I felt, feel like I was meant to do, you know, it could kill me. You know, and, and, I, and I explained that to my parents. And so when I, when I just kind of took that leap and I moved out there, um, you know, they were, they were pretty worried about me. And I think the, the, the thing that they kept saying is like, so when are you going to be done with this filmmaking thing? When is this vacation in L.A. going to end, right? Like they just kept expecting that I was going to just do it for fun for a couple of years and come back and start working in real estate again. Uh, and I told them, no, this is my career. And once they started seeing my commercials that I directed on TV, then they finally told their friends what I was doing because they were keeping it a secret. And they were, you know, sharing my mom, you know, is fairly tech savvy for, for someone of her age. She, you know, she's on Facebook and she's been sharing with people, you know, my work. And I think it's, it was just that moment when they were able to see my work materialize that they finally told me that they were proud of me. 
in their own Chinese American way. Yeah, I, I like <laughs> yeah. that a lot, and I think that's it. Tends to be the case for most Asian parents, yeah. right? Because if you sway away from the un- unconventional path, they're always kind of fearful, and it's just what parents do. They they want their they want the best for your kids, right? And you have to show them what's possible. You know, you have to show them that it is a viable career and that it may not be the career that they were envisioning for you, but it's viable. But at the end of the day, we have to keep in mind that our parents want to just make us happy. They just want us to be happy, you know? And you can show that you can live off your dreams. They're going to support you all the way. But to get to that point, different story. <laughs> you know, yeah. Huge yeah. iceberg, like huge hill to climb over for to convince them. And that's the same with my parents, the Asian Hustle Network, you know? When we started Asian Hustle Network, my mom was like, what are you doing? Create an internet group? What is that going to do for you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, think, um, I think when I told her I was leaving my software engineering job, you know, which is a cushy job to do this, and she's like, are you sure? But it wasn't until, like, um, she started seeing the traction that we were getting, especially when we were, when we were doing live events with the one in L.A. that brought out, like, 400, 600 people. She's like, whoa, this is real. You know, my son's on stage talking to a lot of people, and she's that part was surreal. So I can understand how your how your mom felt about you too, and that's that's I feel that connection right now. Yeah, yeah, same here. I like when I had quit my job, my parents were asking me like, "How are you going to make money with Asian Hustle Network?" You know, and some things that they just don't understand. You know, like it could be like a generational gap. It could be like they just probably don't have a grasp of like how new entrepreneurs are making money now. You know, and I think it's just like for us to show them that, you know, this is, you know, something that I can actually pursue as a career, then, you know, as soon as we like actually show that, okay, money is coming in, then they're like, oh, okay, that makes <laughs> sense, you know? So oh, appreciate yeah. you for, you know, taking that leap of faith. Um, and, you know, like, I, I, I would love to know, like, how did you get into filmmaking? You know, you, I know you had like no education or experience in filmmaking. So how did that all start? And what was the first breakthrough life where you're like, whoa, I can do this. This is my time now. Mm-hmm. Well, I basically just went for it. And the plan was, you know, when I moved to LA, I was just planning to work as a production assistant on any set that I could be on just to learn. And that's what most people do. And I did do that. You know, like I worked on a couple of uh, music videos and, and feature films. But when I got my first paid job uh, in LA, which was at a company called Plan C, and underneath the holdings company of that brand, they have these multiple brands underneath it, which at that time included a record label, a talent management company, and a marketing agency, Plan C agency. And so I was basically just doing grunt work, just something completely unrelated to the skills that I would need as a filmmaker. But I took that job just to be there so that I can network. But while I was in that office, the marketing agency side of the company started to take notice of me and they gave me my first opportunity to direct a short film for the website. And um, it was a short film that resonated with a lot of people, particularly with Asian Americans, because it was about Lunar New Year. And so because they were very happy with that short film, then I started working with the agency on coming up with video uh, concepts and, and pitching those to clients. And then I eventually became a copywriter and through the years, I eventually worked my way up into becoming the creative director at the agency. And so through those opportunities to pitch commercials, I had an opportunity to direct them. And so with the experience, the technical expertise that you learn from directing a lot of different content for different clients under a deadline, 
um, you know, I use that to apply to my own films that I was writing. Um, writing is always something that's come very naturally to me. So when it comes to, you know, the script for Suburban Jungle, I now had the expertise and the resources to execute it in a way that was affordable because, you know, I financed it out of my own pocket. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's kind of how I, how I got started. It's yeah, crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Suburban Jungle. I'd love to know, like, you know, the inspiration behind it and how it all started. Yeah. So Suburban Jungle is, uh, it's a period piece that's set in the late 1990s and it explores the subculture among Asian Americans where you had uh, really smart kids with 4.0 GPAs, AP students, you know, they're living in the upper middle-class suburbs, you know, like these really good kids who are also living double lives as violent gang members. Mm -hmm. And the film examines this duality, you know, where you have these kids who in school, they're enforcing the model minority stereotype of Asians, but at night they're creating a different kind of stereotype, which was the Asian American gangster. And this was my way of making an Asian gangster film because that's been done before. You've seen a lot of Asian gang, gang films before, but uh, this was a perspective that I felt only I could share. And when non-Asian people hear about the film and they see it, you know, they're just blown away because it, it's not common among gangs of, of different ethnicity where you have this duality. Usually you join gangs out of poverty or out of survival. But the question of why kids, you know, with so much to lose, would choose to live this lifestyle, you know, really brings in the question, you know, like why, why is this happening among Asian Americans? You know, what's the reason? And I really wanted to explore not just the culture of, of being in a gang, but to also get into the psyche of, of young Asian kids, especially back then, and about some of the social struggles that they go through feeling like they don't belong. And here's the thing. It's like when you're in high school, especially back then, there was really like three social classes that you could be in. Uh, you're either an Asian nerd. You are a, a whitewashed Asian who is basically like the token mm -hmm. uh, Asian kid amongst the white kids or you're an Asian gangster. And so being a gangster was kind of like the one thing where you can just be Asian, but be cool. And the film, you know, slightly touches on that and how bad it was where you would put your life other people's lives and your entire future at risk just to feel like you belong to something. Yeah. I really like this three categories of Asians. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I think all of us can relate to that, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully that's changed. Hopefully that's changed these days. And I feel I like, so. you know, like the newer generations um, have a lot better than back in the nineties. Yeah. I know you mentioned, you know, the three categories, but from a personal belief, how do you want to represent Asians in media? Well, I think that one of the most important things I feel for Asian Americans to do is to create their own identity as Asian Americans and not just as Asians. You know, a lot of the things that Asian actors kind of struggle with is that, you know, for, for, for many years, many decades, they've only gotten roles where they had to be Asian. You know, either it's, it's a story where they have to talk in broken English and they're playing an immigrant or they're playing a martial artist or some kind of stereotype, right? And how I want Asian Americans to be represented in the media is that we're Americans. You know, we are, we have, we're normal people who go through the same struggles as everyone else. And, and we have our own identity that's separate from people in China, in Korea, in Japan, in Vietnam. Like we all have our own identities. You know, one of the things that 
one struggle that I see a lot of Asian Americans having, and this is just my perspective, I'm not going to speak on everyone, but I, I feel like many Asian Americans struggle to create an identity for themselves in entertainment because they're afraid to just be themselves. And now keep in mind what I'm talking about is I'm talking about Asian Americans and not people from Asia. But, uh, you know, when an Asian American actor is auditioning for an American role, what I've seen a lot is that they tend to act really white. And uh, it's like they're doing an impersonation of a white person. So I see this all the time where when I'm casting and I've got an actor that comes in, he's introducing himself, talking to me, he's acting natural. I'm seeing, you know, how this person is naturally. And then once the audition begins, they start talking like Jim Carrey or Robin Williams <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. And believe it or not, white people, not everyone, but, but many white people can tell if you're Asian, even if you don't have an accent and they can't see your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spoken to people on the phone who, who've never even seen my face. And then they mentioned to me in future conversations that they knew I was Asian before they even saw me. And, and the reason is because Asian Americans have their own cadence in the way that they talk. Uh, that's just one example of, of one of the things that we need to own as Asian Americans. Like we have our own style, we have our own way of doing things, and it's not something that represents Asia. It's just us. And we need to feel comfortable being ourselves without thinking, is that how a white person would do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's that's very powerful. And I can imagine, I, I can just imagine, you know, Asian people coming into auditions trying to fulfill this role because they think that changing the way they sound may increase their chances of getting selected, right? But we yeah. have that to... Deep, deep discussion right, right. There. <laughs> and we have to embrace who we are culturally, um, you know, and, you know, really embrace our heritage because by being ourselves, we're bringing diversity into the industry, right? Yeah. And I think right. it's, it's hard for us to see that, but it needs to happen. Yeah, right? I know there's, Hollywood's a different story, right? Mm-hmm. Historically, it's like really hard to break in and there's some gatekeeping going on, but things are changing rapidly nowadays. Mm-hmm. And in your opinion, like what else can we do for, what other, what else can we do? Like, for example, Asian Hustle Network or other organizations or yourself do to help more Asians in mainstream representation? In terms of more mainstream representation, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is it kind of goes back to just telling more unique Asian American stories uh, that can live separately from the culture of Asia. Right. And and, and the thing that I like to encourage more creators to do, and this doesn't have to be film. This can be podcasts. This can be, you know, a, a number of different things about you know, like the, what we choose to talk about and not everything that we do has to be about an Asian American issue. You know, like we need to talk about these things. We need to talk about racism. We need to talk about the hate crimes that are going on in this country against Asian Americans. We need to talk about those issues, but we don't have to just talk about things like immigration or even Asian gangs or even foreign policy in China or Korea. We can just tell American stories, but we need to encourage more creative people to tell stories from an Asian American perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to just talk about everyday life, talk about right. high school life, talk about business, talk about dating, but just share that perspective, that Asian American perspective of the way that we see things, the way that we do things, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're allowing for Asian Americans to be ingrained into American culture. Because right now, one of the biggest problems with why we're so behind in being incorporated in mainstream media is the perpetual foreigner stereotype. You know, like no matter how many generations 
of Asian Americans that have been in this country were still being treated like foreigners. And it even goes back to the question that people will ask when they meet you for the first time. They say, oh, yeah, where are you from? Yeah, I'm from, uh, I'm from L.A. No, 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 where are you really from? Mm. Right? It goes back to the way that we're kind of perceived where it's like, you know, we're not really American. And I think that that has to do with us kind of embracing something that lives here as an American style of doing things and not like uh, us just being those foreigners that, that, that you know, non-Asian people continue to think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important. I think, yeah, I think like one important thing to note is like, you know, previously or historically even like we've had so many films that came out starring or who have starred Asian actors and actresses, right? And they've always been kind of in roles as like pharmacists or like drugstore owners, like the very normalized like Asian roles. I'm curious to know, like, how have you seen that change over time in your industry um, and in your field as a, as a filmmaker? Like, how have you seen that representation kind of change over time for, for Asians in um, popular films? Well, I think one thing that is encouraging is the way that Asian American men are portrayed in media. That includes both feature films and in commercials. Crazy Rich Asians was a big deal. And it, and it really shouldn't have been such a big deal. But the fact that everyone was making a big deal out of it just goes to show the systemic racism that we've been facing for all these years. But like the, the reason why it was a big deal is because you got to see an Asian American man in a romantic role. Right. You know, and he was in a relationship with another Asian American woman. But, you know, what we're seeing more and more of is uh, Asian American men in interracial relationships. Because when it comes to Asian women in interracial relationships, that's very, very common, almost to the point where it's a stereotype. But, you know, to have a movie, like, I don't know if you've seen this film all my life, you've got uh, an Asian American male in a romantic lead, and it's him and uh, Jessica Roth. And I don't even know if it's really about being Asian. It's just they're a couple. Yeah. Uh, the, the man in the relationship happens to be Asian. And I think that those kinds of things are important. And, and also just even when it comes to commercials, we're seeing more and more Asian guys with a non-Asian romantic partner. And, uh, and even I've done the same thing. I've actually cast an Asian guy and a Hispanic uh, girl in one of my commercials. And just being able to see that, it, it may seem like a, a small thing to some people, but it's a big thing to Asian Americans as a whole to just be treated like normal people and, and not you know, a stereotypical, weird, asexual Asian nerd. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I do want to bring things more into like the future, right? And be more optimistic that, <laughs> you know, things that are going to drastically yeah. improve by the time, you know, 10 or 20 years from now. Like, what is, what is your vision on that? So I'm kind of curious, like, where do you see this playing out? Like, how mainstream do you see Asians being a part of media? Because um, that is that is a core part of our mission statement, you know? That's also one of the reasons why we wanted to speak to you in the podcast, because we're trying to bring more Asians to mainstream media. And just from an optimistic point of view, I just want to hear from your your perspectives. Like, what is that representation trend at this moment? What does it look like? And how do we continue staying proactive on that? Well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll speak specifically about film just because I don't want to go into too many different industries that I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable about. But I think that getting more and more Asian Americans onto the business side of things, on the production side of things is what we need to see more and more of. And, and we're already seeing that. We've seen Asian American CEOs at Warner Brothers 
And uh, when you have more and more producers who are able to champion Asian Americans, it, it makes a big difference. And that's what's been happening. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of great films from Asian American filmmakers. And, and, and I think that that's, I, I think the other thing too, that's important is like the way that our audience uh, supports Asian American content in maybe about 10 years or earlier, there was kind of like a hater nation going on among Asian Americans. Not everybody talks about it, but there are a lot of haters out there who just like, they see one person doing something and then they say something negative about it. I'm seeing less of that. And that's, that's a good indication because when we as a community are not only just getting out there and creating content, but we're also showing that there's a market for it. You know, like we need to, we also need to show studios that the Asian American audience is a profitable audience you know, that can be just as profitable as making uh, um, black films or Hispanic films, right? When they know, when studios know that there is a market here where they can put out a film with an, with an all Asian American cast and they know that our community supports it, then we can, we can continue to see more and more content. And, and all of us are able to thrive, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera. Right, right, absolutely. And Clayton, I'm, I would love to know, um, you know, if you've had any challenges yourself being an Asian filmmaker in America, and if so, like, how did you kind of overcome those challenges? I would say that some of the, well, some of the conversations I've had uh, early on, when I've, when I've written my own narrative films, um, feature films that I've written in the past and pitched, and, and the thing that, one of the things I heard was that Asian American dramas are the least profitable genre of film. And so when I talked about Suburban Jungle and I talked about a feature film version of Suburban Jungle, there was a lot of this perception that, you know, you just, you can't make an Asian American film uh, because there's no market for it. Nobody's interested. And, you know, I got a lot of no's and I got a lot of people who didn't want to, you know, make any film where I didn't have some kind of token white person in there to make it marketable. And I overcame it just by not listening. You know, the sad thing to say is that a lot of the people who encouraged me not to make Asian films were other Asians, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's kind of a sad thing that, you know, like there's so many of us who can be so risk averse that we don't want to take chances, but you just have to take it. And I just made the decision that I needed to make a film uh, that only I could make and Suburban Jungle was that film. And I'm also working on a feature film right now. And I'm having those same conversations, you know, about like, oh, well, you know, like, are you going to have enough non-Asian people in it? And, you know, like, I, I think that we, we just have to ultimately make the right choices that we feel are going to make the best film possible. And I've just chosen to just tune out the pessimism about what we can do yeah. as Asian Americans and just charge forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I... I Definitely can see that happening. I mean, like there's so many films that have been coming out um, just related to Asian Americans, um, you know, on Netflix and everything. And sometimes I do hear, you know, people saying like, oh, I wish they portrayed Asians in a different light than they did in the show. But I feel like like it, it's good that we're getting more representation, right? Like at least we are getting more representation and we're heading into the right direction, right? Um, and so, I'm, I'm curious, like, what are your goals for 2021 and, and what are you currently working on? Uh, so I mentioned before, I, I'm, I'm working on a feature film. So I'm kind of in that early development stage. That's one of my focuses on working on the feature film. But there's also another commercial I'm working on 
which I can't go into too much detail about it for the client's sake, but you know, I'm also working on something that is going to be very important to the Asian American community. And it's, it's related to some of the things that I talked about earlier on this call. It's going to be a wake up call for everyone, for both Asians and non-Asians about the way that we're portrayed and about the fact that Asian Americans often are not being treated like we're American. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that when this project, when this campaign launches, you know, I wish I could say more, but I'm just going to say it's, it's going to be something that everyone's going to see. You know, I hope that all Asian Americans will see this as an opportunity for us to finally have all of our voices heard and to to no longer accept the status quo and to no longer accept the microaggressions that we face. And when people say things that imply that we're not American, we need to let them know that we are, you know, especially since we've been here for 150 plus years and we're all in this together. Right. Absolutely. Well, we can't wait until we hear more about your upcoming plans. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. Yeah. Thank you for uh, representing Asians in the best light. Exactly. Appreciate that. Yeah. And so we have one last question for you, Clayton, and that is what one advice could you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Um, in your case, aspiring filmmaker. Aspiring filmmaker. <laughs> Yeah. So, so my advice would be that uh, one thing to just keep in mind is that impersonation is not the same thing as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of Asian Americans have made a lot of films that are shot well, and they are basically just like carbon copies of other you know films that that have existed before. And the thing is, when we draw inspiration from the filmmakers that we respect and that have encouraged us. We should take that as motivation to do our own thing, not to recreate that. And so you want to try to learn what you can from the filmmakers before you, but you never want to lose sight of the fact that you as a filmmaker need to find your own voice and that you should focus on not only making films about the Asian story or the Asian American story or about Asian American history, but then also tell stories with an Asian American perspective and to just do what you want to do, make the films that only you can make, do it in your own way. And when other people are able to see that only you can do this, that's when Hollywood is going to continue to recognize that they need us. Love it. Love it. Um, and how can our listeners find out more about you online? And just wanted to know if you had any final remarks. Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram at Clayton Tony Al. My handle is Clayton Tony Al. If you want to watch Suburban Jungle, it's it's now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. And I'm always open to connecting with more and more people. And I hope that all the other creators out there just continue to just go after uh, their dreams and doing what it is that they're meant to do. Amazing. amazing. Thank you, Clayton. We'll leave all of that in the show notes of the podcast. It was amazing hearing your story today. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Clayton. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank, thanks so much for having me. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.